We are making our way towards the end of our study in Ecclesiastes. This morning, I'd like to begin with a quote. Author Thomas Wolfe wrote, Of all that I have ever seen or learned, that book seems to me the noblest, the wisest, and the most powerful expression of man's life upon this earth, and also earth's highest flower of poetry, eloquence, and truth. I'm not given to dogmatic judgments in the matter of literary creation, but if I had to make one, I could only say that Ecclesiastes is the greatest single piece of writing I have ever known, and the wisdom expressed in it the most lasting and profound. Now, I have no idea where this author Thomas Wolfe stood in his relationship with God, but I do know that the wisdom this profound book has made upon him, the passage we will study today is a powerful one. And every person in this room is going to learn something from it because it addresses the most challenging events in our lives aging, and death. Listen well, because the Lord, I think, wants to say something to you today. Follow along with me as I read through this passage, in, starting in Ecclesiastes 7, and we'll be making our way to chapter 12, and the part of chapter 12. The preacher writes... Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Father, we ask this morning for you to intervene in our 
time in your word. We ask for your powerful presence to teach us and instruct us and help us to give us hope this morning and encouragement this morning and faith this morning. Lord, we believe you speak in your word, that your word is alive. It is powerful and it is given for our good. And so, Lord, do good to your church this morning. Shepherd your church through your word, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. You know, it's been quite a journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher has at times been confusing. He has been mysterious. He has been thoughtful. He has been pessimistic. Uh, He has been wise as he attempts to teach us about life in the real world. And that's the overall story of Ecclesiastes, to teach us about life in the real world. And as we draw near to the end of Ecclesiastes, these closing verses provide a wisdom for us, a wisdom though that is stark and blunt and at times chilling, but necessary to understand what it means to grow old, what it means to be young, And what it means to live the way God intends for us to live. The poem in verses 1 through 8 in chapter 12 are a stunning metaphor about what happens when we age and how we should get ready for the coming years of our aging. My proposition this morning is this. Unlike the preacher... We can find joy in the face of aging and death because we have Christ. Unlike the preacher, we can find joy in the face of aging and death because we have Christ. Now the preacher has explored life from every angle. And as he draws near to the conclusion of his experience, he leaves some parting words for us as he looks back on life. The assumption is that this preacher is an older man who has walked through much in life and he still does not have confidence. As we see here, he does not have confidence in life after death. But he does believe that God holds us accountable for the way in which we have lived. And so even though he doesn't believe in in the a life after death, or he's not sure would be a better way to put it. He does believe that God holds us accountable. He talks about God being a judge. And in our passage, he gives us three commands that we are to follow so that we can find joy in the life that God has given us. Those three points are, number one, rejoice in the good life God has given you. Secondly, remove what troubles you. And thirdly, remember your creator. Rejoice in the good life God has given you. Remove what troubles you and remember your creator. The first point, rejoice in the good life God has given you. 
verses 7 through 9 in chapter 11. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. This is the seventh, and it is the final time in Ecclesiastes where the preacher tells us to enjoy life. Throughout the book, he's he's told us a number of times, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy, rejoice. This is the final time. And his point is life is short. Life is short. So enjoy it. Verses 7 and 8 speaks particularly to older people. Light is sweet and is pleasant for the eyes to see. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Now, how you define older is a whole nother story. I was going to tell you, I was going to give you an illustration to explain this, but then I was thinking, I don't remember if I give him that illustration before, and I don't want to do it all over again. So I googled what it means to be old. You know you're old if you and your teeth don't sleep together. You try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and discover you aren't wearing any. (laughs) You know you're old if it takes two tries to get up from the sofa. You know you're old when happy hour is a nap. (laughs) You know you're old if it takes longer to rest than it did to get tired. (laughs) You know you're old if your memory is shorter and your complaining lasts longer. You know you're old if your address book has mostly names that start with doctor. (laughs) You know you're old if you're sitting in a rocking chair and can't get it going. And finally, you know you're old when getting lucky means you found your car in the parking lot. The preacher's point is that life is a good gift. There is much sweetness in the many things God has provided for us. Light in particular. Light, the life and light, the morning sunshine. Think of all the sweet things God has provided for you. Family gatherings, funny things your children did or do. Weddings, vacations, the first baseball game of the season. And many other experiences and memories too innumerable to count. Life is a gift and it is sweet. Life is also bright. And it is here we talk about in verse 7. Light is sweet. It's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun morning sunshine, the reflection of the sun on the water, a clear blue day on the golf course, uh, fire in the fireplace in the wintertime, stars on a warm summer night. All these things are the many bright blessings that God provides for us. And we are to rejoice in them. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, and and just think there are many who have grown older who no longer see the sun. 
And so to live longer, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. We are to rejoice in the life God has given us. Psalm 91.16 With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is God's attitude towards us. That is God's disposition towards his people. With long life he will satisfy us. He will show us ultimately the sweetest thing of all, the brightest thing of all, is the salvation through his son Jesus Christ. So praise God for the goodness of life. The God of life and light deserves our praise. But even as we rejoice, rejoice the, the preacher goes on to tell us to remember something as well. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. We need to remember that there is more to life than sweetness and light. Something the preacher throughout Ecclesiastes has never let us forget. 11.8. Look at 11.8. So if a person lives many years, if a person lives many years, days of darkness will come. Days of darkness will be Many. Sooner or later, there is going to be in our lives pain, suffering, struggle, disappointments, and grief. All that comes, especially when we are old, and that is when we realize life is, as he says in verse 8, vanity. Not meaningless vanity, but vanity where the word hebel in Hebrew means a vapor, a breath. Uh, life is but a mere hand breath. David writes in the Psalms. It is fleeting. It leaves immediately. And so life is, is fast. The preacher is not being cynical, my friends, about the dark days ahead, or he's not trying to rob us of joy. Instead, he's telling us to enjoy our lives for as long as we can because we will get older. And the aging process is often filled with many challenges. Don't take life for granted, is what he's saying. And don't complain with the problems of getting older. At 62, I am, I am my parents. I remember listening to my parents when I was in my 20s. And they'd be with their older friends and all they would ever talk about was the doctors that they were going to. This doctor for that and that doctor for this. And sure enough, just recently I'm with a group of older people and what are we doing? We're talking about our ailments and our doctors and I'm thinking, I became my parents. <laughs> if we live many years, days of darkness will come. Kent Hughes said this in his commentary, Ecclesiastes gives us a realistic view of life that is joyful about its happy pleasures while at the same time sober about its many sorrows. 
The book steadfastly refuses to show us anything less than the whole of life as it actually is. And that is the preacher's pastoral care for you, for me as the readers to say, look, I want you to understand life as it really is to prepare you for the suffering that is ahead. Whether suffering at a young age, but primarily as you get older. The aging process is not an easy process all the time. The aging process comes attendant with its pains and its experiences and its challenge. If you're young, in verse 9, he says, you are commanded to rejoice. So if you're old and you're getting older and you're experiencing aging, rejoice. And then he goes on in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Be happy. Old folks can thank God for the years they've been given, and the young can rejoice and thank God for the strength they've been given, the strength that you have. Those of you who are young have many blessings. Your bodies are strong. Your hearts are full of cheer and easy laughter. The future is filled with so many possibilities for you. And there's freedom in your life to take risks. You still dare to dream. My dreams are just, I want to wake up. You can still make a difference in the world, although old people can make a difference in the world. But as young men and women, there's just more out there for you. And these are all reasons to rejoice. Enjoy life because it goes by very fast. This is a movie I've never seen, but the one line from it I remember because I've heard it again and again and again because it's like on every commercial that's ever been put on television. Ferris Bueller, on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And it's true. It's true. My middle child turned 30 last week. 30. 30. She dared to turn 30. Marilyn looked at me and she said, I am not old enough to have a 30-year-old child. Life moves really fast and we can miss it if we're not attendant to the things that the Lord has done. Now I am not much of a country music guy. Larry Earls is and he'll appreciate this. There's a Trace Atkins song and the the chorus is um, it's all about a a young girl and um, she's staring out the window complaining saying I can't wait to turn 18. She said, I'll make my own money and I'll make my own rules. And mama put the car, par- car in park out there in front of the school and then she kissed her head and she said, I was like you once. And the chorus is, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. These are some good times. So take a good time. Look around. You may not know it now, but you're going to miss this. She's 18. 
Then it moves on. Before she knows it, she is a brand new bride in a one-bedroom apartment. And her daddy stops by and he tells her, it's a nice place. And she says, it'll do for now. She starts talking about starts talking about babies and buying a house and daddy shakes her head and says, baby, just slow down. You're going to miss this. Five years later, there's a plumber working on the water heater, dog barking, phone ringing, kids crying, kids screaming, and she's apologizing. He says, don't bother, they don't bother me. And she said, I've got, he goes, I've got two babies of my own. One's 36, one's 23, huh? It's hard to believe, but you're going to miss this. Life moves fast. Even though the preacher is not sure about life beyond the grave, he is sure there is something beyond the grave. Look what he says here. Listen, rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth because you're going to miss it if you don't look around. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But... Know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. A judgment for the way you have lived. So he's told you, rejoice, have a cheerful heart, count the days, walk in the ways of your heart, see what's in your eyes, but be careful how you live. Kent Hughes said, Everything we do, we answer to God for. The judgment spoken of here is the judgment referring to that final day when we will stand before God and give an account for the way we have lived, Romans 2. Everything we do and everything we decide matters for eternity. A future judgment makes our actions meaningful. How we spend our money, what do we do with our bodies, the way we use our time, what we decide about our future, how we handle relationships, what we touch, taste, smell, hear, and see. All of this matters to our judge and therefore should matter to us as well. Rejoice responsibly. Enjoy life's pleasures, but not in sinful ways. Celebrate the gift of youth, but at the same time, Follow God's command to flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So, rejoice, number one, in the good life that God has given you. Young or old, just do it wisely. Secondly, remove what troubles you. I like this. Remove what troubles you. Look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. The preacher advises us to remove the bad things in life that trouble us. Great thought. If only it were that easy. What exactly is he asking us to do? He says, remove vexation from your heart. I, let me say, a vexation would be any problem that causes you to fret or to worry, to carry a concern or grieves you or angers you. It is a bitterness that's provoked by living in a hard and disappointing world. That vexes your heart. 
And there's so much trouble in the world that we do face every day because of the fall of man, because of the sin that entered the world through Adam. Physical pain, marriage struggles, fear about your, your child's future, job problems, financial worries, relational separations, and many other things can cause us vexation. And the preacher tells us to remove them. Get rid of them. What is the remedy? How do we do this? Well, the main remedy is in the next section, but let me give you a few things that you can do to remove vexation and pain. And the word, well, first, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't give in to self-pity. Rather, rejoice in all the good things God has done in your life. You want to remain vexed in life? Become embittered towards the hardships that you face. Complain to God and dwell in self-pity and you will be vexed. But if you don't want to be vexed, don't feel sorry for yourself. Secondly, avail yourself of the many common graces that God has provided in your life. The church, the care and counsel of friends, doctors, medicine, opportunities to rest, freedom to make changes, to change the things that are going on in your life. One of the greatest causes of vexation is sin. The word pain in here literally means evil. So putting away pain, putting away or removing pain, removing vexation might mean simply just repenting of your sin. And another important way we remove vexation and pain is through prayer. Is through prayer. Philippians 4 4 through 8 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Ah, he's echoing the preacher here. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You want to remove pain and vexation? Rejoice in the Lord always again. He's given you one. Rejoice. It's prayer. Make all your requests known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Tell God what is going on. You can remove. So you can rejoice. You can remove. And thirdly, the preacher tells us, in the midst of growing old, in the midst of being young, in the midst of living life for the good and glory of God, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, remember, if you are young, remember your creator now. Before the evil days come. Before the aging process begins. Although you are always aging You're always aging. 
The preacher finishes this section with a poem. And that's what verses 2 through 8 are. They're a poem filled with, with stunning metaphors about growing old and dying. And three times in, he tells us to remember God before. Remember God before in verse 1. Remember God before in verse 2. Remember God before in verse 6. Remember God before these things happen to you. You know, in preparing this message, I came across a quote in one of my commentaries from a theologian that I had never heard of. And as many of you know, I once spent 15 hours on a flight to India sitting just a few feet away from a woman that I had never heard of who happened to be named Beyonce and wouldn't have known it, didn't know it the whole trip. Um, And so as I read this quote from a guy named Bono in this, I just thought, I hadn't heard of this theologian named Bono. Um, Turns out he's not a theologian. (laughs) Bono writes, (laughs) Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. It's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge. He tries wealth. He tries experience. He tries everything. You hurry to the end of the book to find out why. And it says, remember your creator. In a way, it's such a letdown. Yet it isn't. No, it isn't. Getting to know our creator before we grow old and die is the most important thing we can do. I like Bono. (laughs) Now, all these final instructions are primarily for the young. And I think those of us who are older might understand, though, a little better what he's saying because we're in the midst of what he's talking about. But these verses are a call to remembrance, to remember what you are heading towards. Remember who God is today. Remember the life you have. Rejoice in the good things. Again, Kent Hughes says this. He says, here, Koheleth is calling us to a God-centered life, making God who made the universe our first and highest priority. In fact, this is the key to all other things he has called us to do in this passage. The reason we are able to rejoice in our long years of life or else in our youth and strength is because every day is a gift from Creator God. The reason we need to walk in holy ways is because our maker is also our judge. The best remedy for pain or vexation is to cast our care upon God who made us and knows all about us. Everything the preacher says in this passage assumes and requires the close presence of God. And so the preacher tells us, remember your creator. And he uses vivid metaphors in this poem about the reality of our mortality to capture our attention. He is warning you young people about the future. And he's telling you old people, I identify and understand what you're walking through. Now look at verse 2 of chapter 12. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Remember, he says before the evil days come. And so he says he compares the troubles of old age to a gathering storm. 
This is what happens when we grow old. The storm can seem endless, like it'll never end. When you're young, we know it eventually is going to clear. But as you're aging and it is dark and it is storming, you just feel like, you know, just yesterday I finally got rid of this pain in my shoulder and now I got a pain in my hip. And I finally got rid of the pain in my hip and I got a pain in my head. And now, you know what, I don't walk as fast and I don't think and I can't remember. And and you just, the storm just seems to never end. And when you're young, you just wake up fresh every morning and it's like a whole new day. And whatever aches and pains you had from playing football with your friends the day before, most of them are gone. And when you're old and you wake up, the pain that you got from playing football with your friends when you were young is right there all over again. (laughs) Getting old is compared to a gathering storm. In verses 3 to 5, He continues this description of getting old. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of the song are brought low. Compares an elderly person to a house that is slowly crumbling. One of my favorite TV shows is called This Old House. If you've ever seen it, it's hundred-year-old houses are displayed. They're rotting and they're crumbling. They're sinking. And they're in much disrepair and in in need of renovation. And that's me. Rotting, crumbling, sinking, in much disrepair and in need of renovation. Yeah, the older you get, that's how you feel. The preacher's poem is a description of this old house as it ages and marches towards death. Look at verse 3. The keeper, they're a person's arms that begin to tremble as they get older. They can't lift like they used to. The grinders, look at the grinders in verse 3. And the grinders cease because they are few. He's talking about teeth. The grinders, the teeth, they're few. Yeah, they're few. The older you get, the less teeth you tend to have. The windows are the eyes that that no longer see well. We look through windows that are dimmed. The doors are the ears. The doors that are shut, they're the ears that cannot hear as well. The song of the bird for those who hear it early in the morning or for those who don't sleep well. And the older you get, I guarantee you, most of you will not sleep well. Honestly, I, I, could, I slept great when I was 25. And at 62, four hours is like a great night. And that's why naps are so glorious. The old are fearful because they can no longer protect themselves. Look at verse 5. They are also afraid of what is high and terrors are in the way. They can't protect themselves. The, the older folks need protection from the young. And then he goes on, the almond tree blossoms. He's talking, an almond tree, a flower, it's a white flower. Hair gets white or disappears. Uh, it just and that's what he's talking about. And then he goes on. The house finally collapses. He goes, the grasshopper drags itself along. Now, what do grasshoppers do? They hop. And here, this old grasshopper is just dragging himself along. And desire fails him. And he goes on, the preacher goes on, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the street. 
The same fate awaits us all. Old age will bring us low and death will finally arrive. And then he describes death for us. He goes, here's another before. Remember your creator before death, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was. The curse... The curse of Adam, of returning to dust that was pronounced on Adam and all of mankind. Here it is. Here's the curse. Dust returns to earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. All these are memorable descriptions of death. We're all returning to dust because of the curse pronounced on Adam, because of our sin. And this curse sent Jesus to the cross to die on our behalf, who took the full punishment of God's wrath and judgment upon himself to reconcile sinners to God. Without his sacrifice, without his suffering, the ultimate judgment of death and hell falls upon us. The curse falls upon us and Christ made a way. And so remember your creator now is what the preacher says before all these things happen to you. Verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your before the evil days. Verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. Verse 6, before you finally die, the silver cord is snapped. Now for those who are older, this might not seem like an encouraging poem. Growing old and facing death is hard. The Bible's honest about this, but it wisely prepares us for that event, and rightly so. There's much more ahead of us than the preacher knows. The preacher does not know what is ahead of him. We know because we know God's love demonstrated for us in Christ. We know because we are told of God's loving care for us when we get old. Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But it's not only the death of his saints that's precious to God. We're precious to him throughout the entire aging process. Ken Hughes says, be encouraged by this as well. Your creator remembers you even if you do not always remember him. The security of our salvation does not depend on our remembrance of God, but on his promise to remember us. Psalm 71, oh God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me. God will not forsake. So if you're old and gray, you're old and bald. You're just old and your house is falling apart and in need, in re- in need of renovation. Here's the promise to you. God remembers you. God remembers you. Even when you don't maybe remember him. And if you're young, oh, take these words to heart. Remember your creator in your youth. Because listen, there is great security for those of us who are Christians. God remembers us and will always remember us. We are securely in his hands. And remember this, and here's this application. Remember, he forgives. Hebrews 8, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. 
That's how he remembers us. He remembers our sins no more. We are to remember his promise of the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Remember that he will never forget us. I am with you always, Matthew 28, even to the end of the age. Remember that he will never forsake us. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that he is waiting for you when you die. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am going, you may be also. Look how good God is. So remember that he forgives you. Remember his promise of the resurrection. Remember he will never forget you. Remember that he will never forsake you. Remember that he is always waiting for you when you die. Listen, the preacher sees us all marching towards death. But Christ tells us that we are marching towards him and eternal life. And so with these familiar words... Just to remind us of the brevity, the briefness of life. The preacher ends in verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Yeah. Short. Life is short. Life is short. And so rejoice, remove, and remember. Father, thank you for remembering us. God, we are so richly blessed by remembering that, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You will always forgive us. And there is a, you are waiting for us at the day of death. Lord, may that encourage and comfort every person in this room for their good and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.